Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. Our scripture lesson this morning will be taken from the book of John, the 21st chapter, and beginning with the 15th verse. Our blessed Lord is, has been and is with his disciples, and at the close of a meal, well, this is the way it reads. After they had eaten, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he answered, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Take care of my lambs. A second time Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord. He answered, You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Take care of my sheep. A third time Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter became sad because Jesus had asked him the third time, Do you love me? And said to him, Lord, You know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Take care of my sheep. And then from the book of Acts, the 20th chapter, and beginning with the 27th verse, and Paul has taken his leave of a group of people who loved the Lord for the last time. And this is what he had to say to them. For I have not held back from announcing to you the whole purpose of God, Keep watch over yourselves and over all the flock which the Holy Spirit has placed in your charge. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he made his own through the death of his own son. For I know that after I leave, fierce wolves will come among you, and they will not spare the flock. And the time will come when some men from your own group will tell lies to lead believers away after them. May it please our blessed Lord this morning to reveal to us what he's trying to tell us about the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, about you and me as we make up the church. As I read this scripture preparing for what we wanted to think about this morning, there was a little character that comes to my mind that was in the Mother's Day Out program, and he used to come every day. And this little critter looked like a wrestler, a little football player, and he, he was just a strong little character. But the thing that was unusual about this young man that made him come to my mind uh, was that he carried an unusual lunch bucket to Mother's Day Out program. Now, most of those little fellows, they would carry these little cute things with flowers on it and all odd shapes and things like that, you know. But this one had one of those big ones. And I could tell right off that uh, it was probably his father's. And so to make conversation with a little fellow, when he came in, I said to him something about his uh, lunch bucket. And I said, now, I want to eat with you today because I see you've got a nice size and I know you've got a lot of goodies in there. And he said, yes, he did. And with that, uh, he wanted to show me. Now, the mother was there and she was embarrassed about the whole situation, but he got down on the floor. Of course, he didn't have too low to go to get on the floor. <laughs> But he flipped that big black lunch bucket open that a construction worker would be proud of, and, and I looked in it quickly, and 
he had his thermos jug in there, and I don't know what he had in that, but I noticed that he had a big apple in there, and some of these mothers, you know, would peel the apple and quarter it and quarter. Well, now, not him. He had the whole thing, had hoofs and all in there. And he had a banana in there. Now, I could tell that he had already sampled that banana to keep his strength up before he got to church because there's about a third gone. And I could see that he had two good-sized sandwiches. And he said there was peanut butter. Well, with that, the mother turned green, you know. Uh, but that's my favorite sandwich. What would we do without peanut butter? You know? There should be another beatitude. Blessed be the person that found peanut butter. <laughs> because we live off of it. He was a healthy little, little character. And, and I said, well, would you share some of that with me today at lunchtime? And boy, he was in the affirmative on that. He, he was right off ready to do that. And I had to say to the mother, I said, now, I said, that's all right. I said, uh, uh, we live off of peanut butter, too. And that put her back at ease, too. I guess she thought that she was the only one that had a son that liked peanut butter. But... Here this little fellow was, had this lunch bucket and was ready to share. Well, folk, think about it, you and I. And that's precisely what uh, Jesus Christ was talking about at another level within our experience and within our relationship with him and with the church. We're supposed to have something here that is so fantastic and so wonderful and so great that we're called on to share it. And there's no need for us to think that uh, we don't have enough to share and if we are, we are poor indeed. But the fact of it is, I do not know of a church anywhere, any place, that has any more to share of what we need to share than you and I have. The ability and capability of this church absolutely astounds me. Is it any question within your mind as to what God has given us in the way of ability and capability? You know, we in a church... Maybe the best thing that we can do, maybe two or three times a year, is to really, in a sense, sort of come aside in our thinking and think about who we are, what we are, and what we've been called to be to make dead sure that in all the hustle and bustle and the frustration and all the going and coming and doing, that we don't leave out that which is first within the heart and soul of the family of God or of the church. Make sure that we are. I had an opportunity some years ago, invited to go with two characters to go down to Alabama to go deer hunting and this man had his own plane and so we flew down there and they put me in the back seat I think it's only built for two but they stuffed me in the back anyway I went down there with those fellows going down it's such a beautiful day it's around Thanksgiving there's some clouds in the sky but not too many and and I noticed that uh, his co-pilot or the navigator over there he had the maps and everything and they was making checkpoints on the ground to know where they were and so the pilot said, now we're going to be coming up pretty soon on a stadium and a football field or something and an airport next to it. Now you look for that. And so uh, we went to looking and I began to help them because they couldn't find a thing. And I thought, well, now we're, we're lost. And after a while, it seemed to be about 10 minutes, we finally said, there it is, over there. And so he circled over that way just a little to make sure, yeah, that's the point. There's where we ought to be. We're just about 10 minutes late. But we're, we're on course. And so the navigator said, well, we're dead on course. And I said, now, wait a minute. Let's change that a little bit. Let's say we're alive and on course, you know. <laughs> but we in the church, there are certain things that we need to do too to check out, to make sure that we are precisely and exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ would have us to be. What is our goal? What is our aim? What is our mission? What is the heart of our action? What is all this about anyway? What is supposed to be at the very center of why we're here 
and the reason that we are together this morning. Well, let me quickly run through just two or three things to stimulate your thinking this morning. We are to be a caring body for the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's supposed to be some evidence of that caring. There should be an expression of love. Expression of love. And I heard this story not too long ago about this little family. They had some difficulty in the father, uh, the mother and father got a divorce and he went down to Florida and gone for years. He kept in touch with the family every once in a while. And the daughter, she grows up and was ready for college. And they got a word that her father had died. And so within the week that they heard the message that her father was dead, her father's friend came to the door and was invited in because he's a friend of the family. And he pulled from his pocket a book, a, a bank book, and gave it to this young lady and said to her, said, now, your father committed this to me and told me to keep it. And if anything ever happened to him, that I was supposed to deliver this bank book to you. And she looked in the bank book. If I didn't misunderstand, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of about $15,000. Uh, that was hers. In order for her to go to college or do whatever she wanted to do with it. And in a conversation, this man said with a great deal of feeling, he said, you know, in the conversation that I had with that daughter and that fine young lady, she said, my father really did love me, didn't he? And this man says, you rest assured that your father did love you. Now, you see, she was looking at that checkbook, and she had evidence of the fact, though, she hadn't been able to be with her father too much. But this told her in a very positive way, look, my father did love me, didn't he? Evidence of it. That's what I'm talking about. There should be some evidence of the fact that you love the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what Jesus was saying to Peter. It's not enough just to say that you do. Peter, if you really love me, what are you going to do? Peter, if you really love me, what are you going to do? Peter, if you really love me, what are you going to do? There's a relationship between the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and what is in that story, feeding the sheep, you see, or caring for them. Well, you don't have to be a Rhodes Scholar to understand what Jesus is trying to say there. Now we should accept some responsibility, one for the other. Now that's what we're here for, to be supportive one of another. It comes to us always. Friend, let me say to you, if I thought that I could halfway live and be the person that I need to be without you, you just rest assured that I wouldn't bother to be here. But the God's honest truth about it is, I can't even live with your help and be what I want to be, much less what the Lord wants me to be, I would be a miserable mess without you. I cannot do it. And no man can. Either Jesus died for nothing if you could be. You see, we owe something to one another in accepting responsibility for one another. I heard this beautiful story this week. It says more than I can put into words uh, in, in any other way. And that is, I was talking to a grandmother this past week and she was telling me about her granddaughter. And she said... This little girl's grandfather is down in Texas, uh, San Antonio, Texas, and dying. And so her mother had to leave and go down there two or three weeks ago. And so the grandfather died, and so this little girl's father went down for the funeral. And he had to leave suddenly. He was called from work and grabbed a plane, had 30 minutes to meet the plane, and, and he just went through the house. And you know how those things are. You just throw things in a suitcase and what's left over won't go in. You just leave it scattered, you know. And so he took off to the airport. Well, anyway, this little girl here was this week with her grandmother. And about the middle of the week, they got word that parents were coming back. And she says, now, 
and you've got to take me out to the house. She says, I've got to go out to the house and straighten it up. She thought, well, that'd be a good thing to do to please her granddaughter. So she got the car and they went out and said she couldn't find a thing wrong with that house, only the bedroom where her son and little girl's father had dressed and said there was a bed unmade and it was just a wreck and clothes all over everything, clothes they didn't put in the suitcase was scattered all over everything and, and so forth. And she didn't see anything wrong with the house outside of that. And she says, well, I'll go next door and visit your aunt, my sister, while you are here. And that was worked out. And so after a while, the grandmother came back and she said that the nine-year-old had gone all over that house. Said so she walked into that bedroom and she said that bed was as made as nicely as she had ever made a bed or ever expected to make a bed. She said that little thing had taken every one of her father's clothes and folded them up and put them away and had hung up the rest of them and it was just beautiful. She said when she got back it was all done and said the little thing was in the bathroom down on her knees scrubbing the ring, I guess it was a ring, I don't know, out of the bathtub. You know, wasn't a ring around a car, it was in the bathtub. Well anyway, she was scrubbing that bathtub said she just knew exactly what to do and the way to do it, what to use and used it and cleaned that thing up when it wasn't dirty to start with. Accepting the responsibility as being part of the family. And then she said, well, I'm ready to go now. Mom and Dad can come. We are the family of God. We are here because, you see, Paul understood what he was talking about he understood that this is what God has given to us. It's not necessarily, it may be your choice to be a part of it, but you are here. It is God. It is always that God that puts it in the heart and soul of a person to commit themselves. And in that sense, Paul is right. These are what God has given to you and to me to be part of our family. And we have a responsibility, one for the other here. One for the other. I read... Remember this story, it could have happened only yesterday. It happens all the time. It's always sad when it happened. But I remember years ago, you know, someone is always of the family that's uh, real sensitive and sometimes misunderstood a lack of communication. They drop out of church and their feelings are hurt. I remember the first time that this happened to me. It must have happened within three months after I started preaching, I'm sure. But anyway, I remember a knock on the door one night. I've lost the details of how this happened or what it was over, but there was two men standing at the door, and I invited them in. One was the chairman of the board. And he said to me, he said, Now, you have hurt, and call him by name, you've hurt his feelings. And I thought they were joking me. How could that happen? Hurt his feelings? Well, I'm so kind and considerate and loving and understanding. How could that happen? And, folks, I was dead serious back then. How could this happen? I said, You must be joking. I'm not joking. My feelings are hurt. You see, sometimes when a person drops out of the church and you think the preacher ought to go and see them. No, it may not be the preacher that ought to go. You ought to go because it may just be the preacher is the one that has caused the problem, see. Now, I've forgotten the situation and what provoked it, but I'll tell you one thing I will never forget. It will never be wiped out of my mind as long as I'm in charge of my mental faculties, and that is that there was a layman so concerned about his church and someone that was hurt in the church, that he took time out to go see the why of it, and when he found out what it was, he brought it to the place where it needed to be brought so it could be taken care of. And I saw this man just not too long ago that I heard, and we are still wonderful friends. We got it straightened out, you see. Folks, I want to tell you, 
that I'm not responsible for what the trustees do or what the board does. Only after they make a decision, and then I am. You see? And whatever they say, well, it's going to be done. It's going to be done if I can. You see, you can talk about it, and you can drag your feet, and I'm not even supposed to drag my feet. When they say, do it, I'm committed. I'm committed. You either change their mind, or it's going to be done. That's just the way that it is, you see. But I don't want to put this in the place. You see, we cannot move to be the body of Christ unless someone is willing to make decisions for us and help us to make a decision. How can we move to be the body of Christ, living, dynamic, creative, responsible, and responsive, unless we are in a position to make decisions? And decisions sometimes are hard. They're hard to make, as you well know, and they're hard to carry out. Well, we have some responsibility, one for there. Let me quickly say, there's a proclamation of the word. Now, that sounds like it's right formal. We only think about the preacher being called to do that. Well, the preacher is called. But you see, we could also say to make a witness. And that's what both Paul and Jesus was talking about. You have a responsibility to make a witness. Now, it's not so formal. It's not so formal. It's just right where you are to make a witness. That very interesting story within the book of Acts where Philip is out hitchhiking on the highway. The Lord told him to be there. And so here comes a man from Ethiopia, a very high, important man in the government of Ethiopia. And he was hitchhiking down the road, and he stopped and picked up Philip. And Philip noticed that this man was reading the Old Testament. And one of the prophets, he asked him, said, Do you understand what you're reading? He says, No, how can I understand what I'm reading unless I have someone to tell me? And Philip, in a sense, says, That's why I'm here, to tell you. And so he opened the scriptures to this man from Ethiopia. Went on down the road a little farther. You remember the scripture said there came by a puddle of water. And the man said, uh, said, well, I don't see any reason why I can't be baptized. Philip says, I don't either. And so they stopped the carriage, got out, and Philip baptized him. Now that's what I call doing the job. Proclamation of the word. Proclamation of the word. Now just making a witness. You know, I had a little lady one time join the church. She didn't go to church until her husband died. And uh, they had lived together a long while, and she so shook up by, she started coming to church, and she wanted to join church, and she did join church. She committed herself and heart and soul to the Lord Jesus Christ, but she was such a timid little lady. And she says, I would like to do something, but I'm not prepared to do anything. And I'm not sure that I could ever do anything within the church. Can you recommend something for me to do? And I said, yes, I sure can. I said, could you be in service every Sunday morning, and would you pray for me? And she says, yes, I can do that. Well, within that church, there was a place, and I can see it right now, and my mind's out on the right-hand side, about three pews back from the front. She used to sit on that, and she was the only one to sit there for a while. And then she got six or seven other ladies in the same position she was. Her husbands were dead, and that became the widow's pew. And they liked for me to refer to it from time to time as the widow's pew, but they were there. Proclamation of the word. You see, if I told her, now you got to proclaim the word, she would have fainted dead away. <laughs> she brought in six or seven more. We have a witness to make. We have a responsibility to make room for all of God's people. Now, folks, we have the responsibility for making room for all of God's people. You saw in a magazine that I did the other day, if you take the magazine that I do, that they showed out west somewhere these big silos where they hold these big storage bins for wheat. And these big, huge 
things reaching into the sky. And then it showed there great tons of it piled out, just poured on the ground. Tons of it, bigger than this church. Why, you could have hit this church in it 14 times, looked like to me. And there it was, just spilled out on the ground, this golden grain. Uh, that is a staff of life, and people around the world are starving to death just because they can't get it. You and I, I have the responsibility for all the people that God calls, for his harvest that he makes. It is your responsibility and mine to see that they have a place in the kingdom of God. All of them, every one of them. And folks, that might pinch us a little bit here because you see, we couldn't handle more than 25 this morning seated in here. Do you see what I'm saying? No one is to be left out that God has called. We, as the body of Christ, is to make them all welcome. Every one of them. All of them. And if we don't do it, we are not taking care of those things that come first within the kingdom of God. We are to be concerned about what God has given to us. It is strange. I'm going to tell you two stories, and then we're going to go home. It is strange what a kid will remember. You think back within your mind to the very first thing that you can ever remember. I don't know whether this is the first thing I can remember, but it comes pretty close to it. I was born pretty young during the Depression. I can remember one time in the summertime that there were two young boys that came by. Now, you got to understand there was 11 of us in the family already. And I remember they came by and they wanted something to eat and they were given something to eat and they wanted to stay on. I don't know the particulars of the situation, but somehow or another they could not stay on. They had to leave. And I can remember that when they left, I can remember something of their clothing. It was dirty and I remember it was torn and not too well cared for. Two boys just a little older than, than I was at that time, or seemed to be. I was pretty big for my age. And I remember that when they left, now it's one of the few things that I can remember about my mother. But I can see her standing there now with one or two of us around her and those two boys walking down the lane away from the home and the tears in her face. I've often wondered, well, now, what was she thinking? What did she see? Was she identifying with that mother of those two youngsters that was brokenhearted and didn't know where her children were? Or was she upset because that she did not have enough to share with them the way that she wanted to? Or did she have some sense of what was yet to be, knowing that within the year uh, that her sons and her daughters would be without a mother. What did she see? There was a concern for the family. How much are we concerned for all of God's people? All of them. All of them. All of them. All of them. There was a, a little fella, his first year in school, and he decided that he was going to have a birthday party. And his mother agreed to it. And so it came time to have the birthday party, and he said, I have invited, invited my friend to come by and to have cake and ice cream. She said, that's wonderful. I'll be prepared, and you bring them by, and you clear it with the teacher. So the teacher called and said, 
Now your son has only invited the boys. <laughs> now this is the little fellow, you know. He's only invited the boys. So the little fellow came in and mother said, uh, you've only invited the boys. I said, don't you have some girls in the class? She said, yeah. I said, well, you're supposed to invite the whole class, not just the boys. She said, you're supposed to invite the girls too. They're part of your class. She says, you know, they want to come too. He says, you mean, Mother, I have to invite those girls? Yuck! <laughs> well, we don't get around to saying it that way sometimes within the church, but sometimes our attitude says that. But you see, folk, if you don't remember anything else about what I'm saying this morning, you must remember that both Jesus and Paul is saying uh, that there is supposed to be on the part of those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ that make up his body and form his church. That they're supposed to be at the very center of their motivation and their togetherness, a desire born within their heart and their soul to be the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that means that all that he selects and the ones that he calls must have a place among those who name the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the center of what we're about here. Oh, our Father, may we prove worthy of our name this morning, for we ask it in the name of Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of his words, finishing the work he started in making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven.